We are in a series that's called The Colors of Christmas, and uh, um, I'm excited about this series. It's a little bit different. It's not your normal December slash Christmas time uh, sermon series, but as this morning, as we take a closer look at some of the colors of Christmas, we're going to talk about the color green. And as we do that, I want to I'm going to take a bit of a detour in the beginning of this message, and we're going to talk about several aspects of Christmas and our decorations, especially how we uh, decorate a Christmas tree, and some of those things you may or may not be aware of, of kind of where they came from, but our, our focal color this morning is the color green, um, and, and just some FYI, some things I thought was kind of interesting. The color green has been considered the color of life and mystery even before Jesus was born. It's always had that uh, kind of essence about it, and every other thing seems to die during the wintertime outside in nature. Um, your flowers die, most of your trees, all the leaves fall off, and you're, you're stuck with just giant sticks that are up out of the ground that just look so sad, especially when it starts to snow and gets cold. And Oh, it's just crazy. Uh, but during the wintertime, the ones that don't die, the holly bushes, the fir trees, they remain evergreen. And people probably thought back way back when that, that was some kind of magic that helped these trees survive the harsh weather. They, they didn't quite have the realization and understanding of how amazing our God is that we have today and understand things on how the tree actually works to provide sustenance for itself throughout the winter. And so these two plants, the, the holly tree or the holly bushes and the evergreen trees were feared and worshiped at the same time by the general population many, many years ago. And since then, the color green has become associated or has been associated with life. Even the Romans celebrated a festival called Saturnalia, which was a festival that honored one of their gods who was Saturn. And it took place every year between the 17th of December and the 23rd of December. And during this, this ceremony, this several-day ceremony, the Romans would actually weave holly wreaths. They were the first ones to do that. It wasn't us, but they did that. And they would, they would hang them on their doors and hang them on their walls. And for them, for Roman people, these wreaths signified their desire to see the rebirth of the sun. That's why they were shaped in a circle like we see today. And, and so they would hang them on their walls, that just this desire that, that something good is coming and they, a desire to see the rebirth of the sun, to see the return of summer, to get out of winter. They would also place what they called sigillaria, small figurines on the evergreen tree boughs that they would bring into their homes. Uh, we call those ornaments today, and you can get them at Hallmark or Walmart or Amazon. Uh, but when churches began to celebrate Christ's birthday on December 25th, it happened, that was around the 4th century. And believers and followers of Christianity left the wreaths and, and still brought them in and used them and hung them during Christmas because the color green was associated. And so for us, that's, that's been an association of Christmas, but they too look for the return of the living Christ, okay? So they, they, they changed some of the symbolism. The Romans would, would exchange evergreen branches of mistletoe, ivy, and holly in January as a sign of good luck and, and, and life. And so even the ancient Egyptians would bring in palm branches into their homes during midwinter festivals because they longed for better days. Uh, one of my favorite things that I found out about when I was studying about the colors of Christmas and different traditions and things that took place was what they called... Um, uh, Passion or paradise plays. Sorry, I almost said passion plays, but that's Easter. They called them paradise plays. And what they would do, they would, these plays were performed in public on, on big stages, just in public squares. And, and it was all through Europe during the Middle Ages. And they were always performed on Christmas Eve in different villages and stuff. And essentially, these plays narrated the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. 
and the temptation, as well as the first sin of eating the forbidden fruit. Essentially, these plays were just Bible stories read out to people who couldn't read and then acted out on a stage. The paradise tree featured in the play was located, was, was the tree that was located in the Garden of Eden. And it was basically a pine tree, and they tied red apples to it. Uh, some of you may be thinking, hey, yeah, you're right. That's where red ornaments came from, but we'll get there in a second. But for centuries, the Christmas tree has been regarded as one of the most significant decorations of Christmas. And when it comes to the Christmas season, even your shopping malls, everybody seems to put up a Christmas tree of some sort. Um, one of my favorite things in traveling, I, I actually, in my resume, uh, I always tell everybody I've done everything. In my resume, I can, on my resume is Christmas, professional Christmas tree decorator. Um, some of you may not know this about me, but for uh, five years, I think it was, I actually decorated the Orlando International Airport for Christmas. And the crew that I was a part of, we were the first group to actually put up in one night and fully decorate a 40-foot tall Christmas tree that required two, two genie lift cranes and a group of people. And one of my full-time jobs for a season was I started in July. Was it July? I started in July. And, and from July until November, I worked in a warehouse going branch by branch, fluffing out the tree and checking the lights on every branch, every branch, wrapping them, unwrapping them. It was a horrible job. It was fun. <laughs> um, but we, we decorated. So I'm a professional Christmas tree decorator. We decorated the International Airport in Orlando. Um, they still do the same thing. They have two big trees. They put big wreaths up, soldiers out front. It's a lot of fun. Um, but, but everybody puts a tree up. And I'm just like, you, but we walk past it like it's just, oh, there's a tree. It's nice. It's pretty. And there's so much more. You see, um, the world sees Christmas and trees and holly wreaths in the color green. And most of them see it as a way to attract us to spend more money. But do you know the real meaning of the Christmas tree, the real meaning of, of the color of Christmas that is green. I want to share that with you. Modern Christmas trees originated in Germany. They've, families placed a fir tree hung with round pastry wafers symbolizing the Eucharist. They wanted to remember Christ. By the way, when you add a little sugar to that mix, you get Christmas cookies. And now you know where that tradition came from. <laughs> Which, by the way, next Sunday, we'll have a... Uh, benefit fundraiser for our young people who are going to CIY, a cookie auction and cake auction. So make sure you come for that. But uh, today we use various ornaments to replace the wafers and we decorate the trees with lights instead of candles, which represent the light of Christ. In ancient times, I mentioned to you, red apples were hung on the tree, symbolizing the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 2.17, we're familiar with the creation story. God created the heavens and the earth. He went through this process and, and then he, he placed man, Adam and Eve, in the garden. And he said to them, everything in the garden is for you. You can eat freely of anything except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that tree. And, and in the story, uh, matter of fact, right here, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, some of you remember when uh, the only ornaments you could find for a tree were red. And then they branched out and they got green ones. I was a child. I was born in the 70s. For years, my grandmother only had red ornaments on the tree, even as other colors were coming out. Why do we have red ornaments? That's what we've always had, she would say. They didn't explain it to me, but here it is. The ornaments that we put on the tree were originally placed there to remind people of God's love for us. 
to remind people of the creation of the world and of man and that first act of rebellion. Yeah, it wasn't an apple on the, fir- on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but that's, that's what we, we used because we don't know what the fruit was. But they placed red ornaments on a tree to remind us of those things, to remind us of that first act of rebellion against God that separated us from him. And they would do that. And as they would do that, they would tell the story, reminding their families, reminding the community why we needed the birth of Jesus and why we should celebrate it. So we have ornaments now that are green and multicolored ornaments. What else do we have that's green? We have wreaths that are green. I'm going to talk about wreaths in a second. There's some symbology there. But the cool thing about the Christmas tree, the evergreen tree represents the eternal life that Jesus gives us. John the Baptist in John chapter 3 talks about the greatness of Jesus. Listen to this. I'm I'm going to read um, verses 31 through 36, but I really want you to pay attention to verse 36 uh, because that's where we're going to end up. It says, He who comes from above is above all. He's talking about Christ. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard. What has Jesus seen and heard, by the way? Everything. Not only that, he has seen and heard God himself, angels who are singing holy, 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 like we referenced here just a little bit ago. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. The father loves the son and he has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. This is John the Baptist talking about that. And again, in the cold, lifeless season of winter, the evergreen tree reminds us of our opportunity for everlasting life. Reminds us that that we have in store for us eternal life with Jesus. Over the years, even the triangle shape of the tree has been used to illustrate the Trinity, that uh, God at the top, Jesus and the Holy Spirit in the corners, if you will, if you think of it as a triangle. And, and it's still, it's three in one. Um, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 19, Matthew tells us, he says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So again, when we look at our Christmas tree, we should see so much more than just sparkly things in the color green. There's symbology in all of this. Candles and lights. Back back years ago, they used candles. And uh, obviously, for obvious reasons, that probably wasn't wise. And it was good when we realized we could put lights on a Christmas tree instead of candles. But uh, um, they symbolize that Jesus is the light of the world. Uh, In John chapter 8, verse 12, it says that, but just after the Pharisees brought to Jesus this woman who was caught in the act of adultery, they're trying to trick Jesus. They're trying to have this woman killed. And Jesus, Jesus says to them with just a few words that are written in the dirt, and he changes their hearts and saying to them that whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. And then he transitions to this statement. And, and he tells the woman, he says, he says to her, who, who now condemns you? And she says, no one. And he says, and I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. And then to the same group of people that's still listening, in verse 12, he says, again, Jesus spoke to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
So if when you're putting your lights on, when you turn them on at, at your house for your Christmas trees, I hope you remember that he is the light of the world. It's his birthday that we're celebrating. As we celebrate the colors of Christmas with a green tree that represents eternal life and our, and our Christmas ornaments, as you look at the lights on your tree, whether they're white or multicolored, may you remember that our Savior Jesus is the light of the world. And then we always have to put something on top of the tree. The star is placed at the top and it's used to represent Jesus, the bright star of light or the star of Bethlehem from, that Matthew talks about. He talks about the star that led the wise men to the toddler Jesus. And they, they got to Bethlehem. They, they approached the king. They said, hey, where is he who was born to be king? And the king said, well, I don't know. But when you find him, come back and tell me about it. And then Matthew says this, after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went out before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. There's another color of Christmas that I want to touch on real quick. It's probably our kids' favorite color or colors of Christmas. It would be the uh, colors of the presents that are underneath the tree. Wrapped in all their shiny paper and bows and ribbons. The, uh, those presents should remind us that God's gift, grace and mercy and salvation are there. And they're brought for us. I want to look at Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 24 for just a second. It says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And verse 24 says, And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I hope that when you see all the presents under your tree, as they start to stack up, as we get closer to Christmas, you'll be reminded of these things. But now I want to get back to our focal color of green and how we use it. Should we even have a Christmas tree in our homes with lights and ornaments and stars and gifts? I read a bunch of different blogs and different, different things where people write questions to, to preachers and stuff. And someone actually wrote a question in to Billy Graham and asked if it was the Christian thing to have a Christmas tree. Should we have a tree in our, in our home because they said that you know, it comes from pagan traditions and things like that. And there's a lot of other history that's associated with a Christmas tree. And uh, Billy Graham answered him this way. He said, I understand your concerns about the use of a Christmas tree. Some have indicated that this practice is wrong because of the words in Jeremiah 10, 1 through 5. And in there he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, Learn not the way of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens, because the nations are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vanity. A tree from the forest is cut down, worked with an axe by the hands of a craftsman. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails so that it cannot move. Their idols are like scarecrows in a cucumber field. They cannot speak. They have to be carried, for they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, neither is it in them to do good. And so for years, there's been a debate. Should Christians have a Christmas tree because of this verse? But here's the thing. These verses don't apply to a Christmas tree. They, they do, however, condemn the idolatry that was practiced in Jeremiah's day. God's people were actually following the customs of culture, where heathen people were cutting down trees. They were shaping the wood into an idol, decorating it with silver and gold and ornaments and things like that. And then they were worshiping that idol. They're worshiping, worshiping that carved thing as God. 
And so I want to just clear that up a little bit. There's nothing wrong with having a Christmas tree in your house or in your church or decorating it. But I think it's very important that we keep Christ central to our worship of him as we observe Christmas. It's not unbiblical to have these things lighted and decorated. It's even been suggested that, uh, and this is something that I never thought of, this doesn't work so much if you have an artificial tree or once you cut a tree down and bring it into your home. But in nature, those branches lifting upward and pointing towards heaven can signify the verse where where Jesus says, the rocks and the trees will cry out. And I thought, oh, that's kind of a neat thought. The star at the top represents the star of Bethlehem. The green of the tree is evergreen. It's symbolic of eternal life. That's God's gift to us because of Jesus Christ. And so as we look at our presence, as we look at the gifts, let's keep in mind the gift of eternal life. There's no greater gift. So when it comes to the colors of Christmas, when it comes to the color green of the evergreen Christmas tree, it should remind us that we serve an eternal God. When I see a wreath at Christmas time, I'm reminded that God's love for us is never ending. Wreaths are made in a circle. A well-made wreath, you can't tell where it begins or where it ends, and it's like God's love. It's just continuous. With a Christmas tree, may it remind us that we serve a God that has revealed himself in the Trinity, in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. All of them love us. All of them care for us. He's used each of those pieces to reveal himself. In the Old Testament, God himself revealed who he was to people. If you call Noah and Abram, Moses and the burning bush, many others, God revealed himself to them. And then in the New Testament, he revealed himself to us through the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And then after Jesus ascended into heaven, God revealed himself to us through the Holy Spirit with the understanding of his word. But John wrote this also in John 1.1. He said, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. You see, the Trinity has been there from the beginning. God the Father sent His Son as the perfect gift. And when His work was complete here on earth, He left the Holy Spirit for us. And so the color green and wreaths and trees and garland and and different things at the Christmas season remind me that our God is everlasting. And that even in seasons of cold, seasons of sickness, seasons of death, seasons of sorrow, seasons that just are less than average of struggle, it reminds me that our time on this earth is temporary. But these symbols of eternity are green and bright, even in the dead of winter, and they remind us of the hope we have in Christ. Even the pagans would bring in greens and hope for spring. They hoped for spring because winter was long and cold and hard. But now we have hope in everlasting everlasting life with Christ because our God chose to reveal himself to the world in the form of a baby that grew to be the man that would take away our sins. So as we come to our response time this morning, my prayer this week has been that if you're not... Sorry. I'm supposed to say you're not prepared for the eternal life that Christ has offered, but my dyslexia, I wrote, if you're not repaired for the eternal life, so it just threw me off. Start that over. As we come to our response time this morning, my prayer for you all this week has been that if you're not prepared for the eternal life that Christ has offered you, that you would take that first step and respond to what you've heard here this morning from God's word. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. 
submit to him in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you found yourself in the, the middle of a cold, dark season. Whatever that looks like for you, it's different for everybody. Maybe you're just struggling with something. You simply need to be reminded of the fresh, crisp love that God has for you always. Our elders are here. They'd love to pray with you. They'd love to encourage you through whatever season you're going through. Whatever your response is this morning, will you stand with us and sing our response song and respond to God's love accordingly? Praise God from whom 